0: Welcome back. I'm going to start saying it because y'all done came back. Welcome back to The Point Is. I am your favorite girl, Ashley. And this is where we get to the nitty gritty. We get to the roots. We get to the underlining thing. We get to the points So today. We are discussing the major disparities of childbirth, infant fatality rates, and child labor amongst Black women. Um... And so we have been treated poorly at a disproportionate rate. And we've been speaking, you know, this whole time, not this whole time, but uh, as of late, we've been speaking against police brutality, but we haven't really truly been discussing the brutality that is currently, that is also happening simultaneously, excuse me, in the medical field to us as Black women. And now... I am specifically talking about us bringing life into this world. And but before I do that, I do have to go into the history behind all of this and how we even got to this place. And also to make no mistake, bringing a life into this world is already no walk walk in the park, okay? It's already no walk in the park. It's already a close to death situation. And there are a lot of women that don't make it out. However, I do want to dive into um, the systematic racism within these hospitals, which can lead oftentimes lead into death where death is unwarranted. And we see systematic racism play out in hospitals on all levels, not just childbirth. But I want to shed light and bring forth information as to how the situation at hand is not only a traumatic thing, but it's it's definitely... I don't want to say propaganda, but it's definitely something that is manipulated and controlled for a specific reason, Um, oftentimes for the eradication of us as a people. And I cannot make this up. I am not making this up. This is definitely a real thing. And also to side note on a personal level, I have to say this is probably, I think I've said this, but this is probably my deepest fear is giving, giving birth, like the time to give birth. That's it. Being pregnant and everything else, I I, th- I have the utmost faith, faith that I will be okay. It's the giving birth part because I understand that not only is it a battle in and it of itself, I have a whole nother battle to think about and I have to be a um, advocate for my own health, not even my own health, but also my baby's health. And I have to utilize my voice and do all of this extra just to get proper care in childbirth. So let's dive into medical racism. And I had um, a few, I had posted on my Instagram the slides and I asked you all, you know, what do we think about this? So the slide entitles, so you wanna talk about medical racism. And so I did end up fact checking this as well and everything is accurate. I mean, I hate to say that I had to fact check it, but I had to fact check it, okay? Um, some myths and also too, if you hear the little tingle, it's my necklaces. Make sure you support the Brother Bashir. Okay, you got the necklaces, honey. got everything you need he got the crystals okay everything has meaning he got shirts he got everything but let's get back into it so first slide says myths of myths okay because I'm a little country about physical racial differences were used to justify slavery and are still believed by some doctors today and I quote over the centuries the two most persistent physiological myths that black people were impervious excuse me to pain and had weak lungs that could be strengthened through hard work warmed their way into scientific consensus and they remain rooted in a modern day medical education and practice racial bias in medical care is real and it continues to put lives at risk these myths about pain tolerance seized upon pro-slavery advocates allowed the physician jay Marian Sims long celebrated as the father of modern day gynecology to use black women as subjects in experiments that would be unconscionable today and i quote Sims practiced painful operations at a time before anesthesia on enslaved women in Montgomery Alabama between the years of 1845 and 1849 in his autobiography entitled The Story of My Life, Sims described the agony the women suffered as he cut their genitals again and again in an attempt to, re- to perfect a surgical technique to repair a v- physical vaginal fistula, which can be an extreme complication of childbirth. Okay. And so in the 1850s, basically Sims moved to New York and opened this first ever women's hospital, okay? Where he continued testing um, medical patients or medical treatments on these patients, on not just slaves, but just on um, black women in general. Any of Sims' patients that died, the blame according to him lay squarely with the ignorance of their mothers and the black midwives who attended them, which... Is why I feel like it is very important to have a doula when you are um, having a child. It's very important to have a midwife when you are having a child. They can definitely help guide you and um, in some sort of weird... Well, I don't want to say weird, but in a spiritual sense, your doula really is in tune with your womb. And so they can tell you exactly what's going on and how to be an advocate for yourself. And so as I continue, recent data shows that present day doctors failed to sufficiently treat the pain of a, of black adults and their children for many medical issues. A review in 2013 showed um, racial disparities in pain management. This was published in the American medical association journal of ethics found that black and Hispanic people from from children who needed um, antidotes or, you know, any medicine of that nature to elders in hospice care received inadequate pain management compared with their white counterparts. And so within this study, you basically um, can see, and you can look this up, you can basically uh, see that Our pain is not often uh, sympathized or empathized with. And therefore, um, the misuse of prescriptions, opioids um, are found within our records or just the, you know, the complete disregard for us in general is not there because this subconscious notion of, oh, they're going to be all right because... Black and Hispanic people are super strong. Which is not even, a nerve is a nerve. You know what I mean? A heart is a heart. (laughs) Like it's not even the same. And so there are um, these ridiculous uh, white rhetoric uh, beliefs out there. And I quote, I'll quote um, just a few. Um, One says, Black people's nerve endings are less sensitive than white people's. There's another one that says black people have thicker skin than white people. Uh, and then, and this is the last one I read. It says black people's blood. Cold. Uh, huh? Our Basically, our blood comes together more quickly than white people's. That's basically what it is insinuating. Um, all of these are inaccuracies. I also wanted to um, say something about. Uh, the quote of black people have thicker skin than white people. You know, someone told me in regards to swimming, right? Because I'm learning how to swim because I can't swim. Um, Someone told me that we are a lot leaner. It's actually the opposite, that we are a lot leaner than white people and that they carry more fat and that that's why they can float easier. I didn't fact check that. I don't even know if that's even like a real thing. But that just goes to show how these... uh, ridiculous beliefs can carry over into the next generation and into the next generation. So what does that mean for Black women? So Black women have historically, if you tap back in, had the highest maternal mortality rates like in history, Researchers do not have a clear explanation, but they suspect, of course, a combination of institutionalized racism in our society and the healthcare system as a whole, as well as black women's increased susceptibility to certain health conditions such as obesity and hypertension. Black women are also less likely to have access to quality prenatal care. Mm. That paragraph alone was very... Uh, Microaggressive in and of itself. So basically, let me give you my take on that. We have historically have had the highest more maternal mortality rates due to, because it keeps saying may have, maybe, no, it's due to racism in our society that has also carried over into the healthcare system. Irregardless of the fact if we have Quality prenatal care that ties into quality prenatal care. If we have a system in place that possesses systematic racism, the idea of quality prenatal care does not exist. They counteract each other. So even if you have quote unquote access, you really don't have that access that you think you do have. Unless you, you know, get you a doula, a midwife, and you do what you, what you will. But I have a story time to tell you of uh, one of my listeners who so graciously allowed me to share her story. And she was talking about how she did all her research and still um, fell victim to malpractice in the hospital. And we'll, we'll tap into that in a brief moment. So moving on, let's give you even more numbers. So for every 13 white women who died during pregnancy or within one year of giving birth in America, there are 44 black women who die during pregnancy. Most of these deaths, if not all, are preventable. Okay, and then Let's also talk about uh, Serena Williams' story, right? So Serena Williams basically had a C-section, right? So within her delivering her baby and within during this C-section, Serena Williams lost her breath and recognized the warning signs of a serious condition. Okay? And so she uh, ended up, This is after, right? This is after they stitched her back up and the baby was there. So she um, ended up experiencing blood clots, something she survived in the past and that's why she understood and knew the signs. And so she told them that she needed a CT scan and an IV of heparin, which is uh, basically a blood thinner. And so the nurse basically refused Claimed to be confused and just offered her pain medication. However, Serena Williams had to insist and persist um, that something was wrong with her and that they needed to uh, do an ultrasound. So they did an ultrasound, and to address the swelling that she was, you know, experiencing in her legs, nothing, right? So when they finally did the uh, lung CT scan, they found several blood clots in her lungs. So just as she she had advocated for just as same as she had suggested the heparin fixed the issue but if she wasn't an advocate for herself she would have died. So the severity and again the disregard for black life is ever so prevalent in our hospitals. And that also ties into, excuse me, education. As well, because there is this notion within health field, healthcare that you you don't even have to necessarily have low income. Just black patients in general are less intelligent, and therefore they are very uh, passive with the way in which they they're they're not even they don't have a sense of urgency more so when it comes to our issues. And oftentimes we are blamed for our own health issues. So it's really like backwards, right? So let's tap in right on in into be direct with it. Cause I have this very dark tone right now. So let's go ahead and go right into be direct with it. I asked y'all, what do you think of those slides? And so y'all tapped in. So someone, um, first person said that, oh, let me explain Be Direct With It. (laughs) So for all the new listeners, Be Direct With It is my favorite segment. Be Direct With It is where I pose a question on my Instagram and then you, the listener, you answer the question and then I respond to your response on my podcast. So... Now, let's go right into it. So someone said that I think so many people are witnessing it and not saying anything as well, which is a very big prominent point, as I feel, because there are too many people and too many voices in the room that can be like, no, this, this, that. If we're supposed to be working together, nurse assistant, doctor, we all supposed to be working together. We need to, it's not enough for the patient to be an advocate for self. We all need to be advocates and um, do our part. Being on standby and witnessing and not doing or saying anything is definitely, definitely a part of the problem. Next person put, it's absolutely true. Unfortunately, I experienced this during my labor and delivery. And my aftercare, and so um, I, I responded on Instagram and I said, you know, wow, like, do you mind if I share it on the podcast? And I hope you didn't have um, any unnecessary C sections. So we'll we'll tap into the sister story in the we in this together segment in a brief moment. And the last comment says that it needs to be talked about more because people are still buying into this. And so basically what they mean is they still are buying into the biases, the stereotypes, and all of the other uh, things that aren't necessarily true. They don't have any factual backing behind it. It's just someone thought of it and therefore it is set in stone. So let's go right into, I want to tap into her story real quick. Let's step, tap into the sister's story. So she had a baby and she um, didn't have to get a C-section. And the reason why I asked her, did she have to get a C-section is they make more money when they have to cut you open. And so even if it's an unnecessary C-section, they will still, and oftentimes do, um, try to get you into this onto the C-section table. So let me. So I straight up asked her what happened. So this this is her story. She says the shortened version is that I had high blood pressure pre eclampsia during pregnancy and had to be induced at 38 weeks. We try to hold off, but we're told it was medically necessary. The labor was fine until the epidural was was put in place unknown to me by a student. She placed the epidural incorrectly and the anesthesiologist had to fix her mistake. This didn't impact me until about 12 hours later. I couldn't move my head and neck and was in extreme pain. The doctor and nurses said maybe it was from straining while pushing. I only pushed like 20 minutes by the way. Anyway, they gave me other treatments but never thought about if I if I was having an adverse side effect to the epidural, after a day in pain, they finally considered that it might be because of the epidural. I had to bring it up myself. There were several missteps, and then I ended up having an infection from where the IV was, and I was dismissed several times after complaining. They missed they missed Grace's jaundice. I had to diagnose it myself, and um. For those of you who don't know what jaundice is, I believe it's like the yellowing of the eyes and it's just, it's not cute. So that's for the baby. And so um, also too, the story continues. She also said that they tried to make her take over one, a thousand milligrams of blood pressure medication in one day, instead of addressing her pain and why and what caused the spike in blood pressure. I also wanted to talk about the baby. Okay, so she found out that her baby was underweight, underweight, excuse me, because of blood pressure. So, you know, people prayed over her and the baby. And so her baby came out full term at five pounds, 13 ounces, which is something that the doctors didn't expect. Um, even through the pain, she breastfed her baby. And ever since then, her baby has never lost a pound since birth. But the nurses definitely tried to discourage her from breastfeeding and then tried to give her hard narcotics to help with the uh, neck strain and everything else. And so this mother refused and... Furthermore, finishes off the sentence saying that I knew medical racism was real, but it is an entirely different experience when it happens to you. I thought I was prepared because I educated myself and I even had a doula. Honestly, if I didn't have a doula, I would not have known how to push or push for more help, excuse me, or be more assertive. And so I I think it's worth the investment. This guest thinks it's definitely worth the investment to uh, have a doula um, and a midwife or whatever you know you feel most comfortable with because the doula definitely helped her and she still communicates with her doula till this day, she says. So that is a story from a black woman who that's her first child and she experienced medical racism at uh, a profound rate. And I also want to share a quick video, a video that a lot of you guys reshared when I reshared it. Um, it's been on my profile for two years now. And so we are still having this conversation. We are still having this fight um, against systematic racism within the health and medical field. And so let me just go right into, let me find the original, cause I only posted, reposted the one.
1: As we speak, 20 Republican attorneys-general that are attempting to repeal the Affordable Care Act in our court system. After most of my Republican colleagues have voted to do the very same thing more times than I can count. So let's remember, 9.5 million. That is the number of previously uninsured women that gained health care coverage, including maternity care, which is an essential health benefit, under the Affordable Care Act coverage for women of color grew at more than twice the rate of women overall in 2013 to 2015. So to have a conversation about maternal mortality at a time when our Republican colleagues are using every tool in the book to roll back access to guaranteed maternal care and maternal coverage is a bit much. There are, as we... In 2018, the United States of America has the highest rate of maternal deaths in the developed world. Every single year, we mourn roughly 700 mothers were lost to complications during their pregnancy. And at least 350 of those deaths are preventable. Most alarmingly, profound racial disparities persist in these statistics. Black women today are three to four times more likely to die of pregnancy or delivery complications than white women. Before we try to explain that away on socioeconomic terms, just access to care, access to education, higher income, we have to be clear that even when you control for those factors, a wealthy black woman with an advanced degree is still more likely to die or to have a baby die than a poor white woman without a high school diploma. Black women are 243 percent.
0: OK, so that's this. That's the stats. Um, I haven't done any stats in recent years, but I, I can honestly guarantee you that they aren't much different from. Uh That time, this was when uh, Kennedy the third went up to Congress and he had this conversation. This was way back in um, 2018. And he had this conversation and now we are in 2020. So those stats have not changed. And so I just wanted to start the conversation. <clears throat> it's really not much starting of a conversation. This conversation has already been had. But for those who don't know, now you know. So I wanted to shed even more light and control the uh, narrative of what's going on. There is a fight that isn't being televised. There is the fight that doesn't have a recording, you know, Um, unlike police brutality. A lot of times we have video, but we don't have actual video of the major disparities that are being placed against black and brown women in the hospitals to date, but it is happening. And so I just wanted to spread awareness. Hopefully I can spark the mind that, excuse me, that wants to uh, see change, be a part of the change. Um, A lot of people that I know are healthcare professionals. And so it is your duty and your responsibility to greatly assess and aid in, because that is your job in the health field in and helping those who, who come in. And so with that being said, this was a super, super deep episode, but again, stay up, make sure you are an advocate for yourself. Also too, make sure they note your chart because if, any refusal of any type of scan or anything, make sure they notate your chart stating that they refuse to give you that ultrasound, that CT scan, whatever the case may be, make sure they note that chart. Um, Even go so far as to record the conversation on your phone because make no mistake, people are going to try to say that you are making things up because no one believes black women when we say things. So it's very important to go for the juggler, just same as they are coming for you. You need to make sure you have everything as well. And even with that, because like he said, and like I've read, even with a higher education, you are way more susceptible to medical racism than a white woman with no high school diploma. So I leave you with that. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Point Is, and make sure you stay tuned to the next episode. Make sure you like, comment, Rate and tell a friend to tell a friend. Until next time, I'll be hearing from y'all.